I'm gonna get you for this. Your people have no leaders and no hope. The war, Bray, is over. Has not it come to pass, my brothers? Praise be to Zunt! Praise be to Zunt! And to his followers, victory. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 2 of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. And Sabine. Hi. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 3, Episode 2, the screenplay was done by Nick Doughty. It was directed by John Reed. And the episode synopsis read out by Sabine. On the hunt for Bray, Ebony and Lex encountered a mysterious watcher. While back in the mall... Allie and Jack come up with a dangerous plan to liberate the mall rats from their chosen captors. The episode opens with a shocked Ebony wondering what happened to Bray. Lex quickly concludes that Bray must have given up and they have to go on without him, whilst Ebony Angle is more about weighing the odds with Bray by her side and protecting her own skin. And it's during this that Lex soon works out that Ebony saved Bray because she wants another chance at him. So yeah, panel, let's start with all of that. Um, what did you make of the different reactions to Bray's disappearance on display here and what Ebony Lex should do next? Um, I kind of, I don't like it, I guess. Um, I know why it's here and everything, and I understand why the conflict and what it's saying about this future rebellion. and But it just, it feels a little too on the nose how necessary Bray suddenly is. I mean, first we had Lex rescuing him last second of all the tribe members he could have saved. He saved Bray. And now we've got Lex where he's just like, whatever. He doesn't care about where Bray might be. He even assumes that Bray gave up, which, Mm. come on, wishy-washy as Bray is Lex. You know that he didn't just wander off on you guys. He didn't just crawl away and quit. You have to know that. It's obvious that you just don't want to keep looking for him. And then you've got Ebony, who couldn't have given a crap about what happened to Bray at the very end of season three. And now she's just like desperate to find him. And now that the hint that, oh, well, if he's not there, there's no point in even trying. And I don't know, it just felt a little like overemphasizing how important Bray is supposed to be, especially to these two people. And and I don't like the added conflict of Ebony suddenly wanting Bray for herself again and uh, they didn't need this conflict to make these guys be stuck together. You know what I mean? I just, I don't like it. No, I, I get why Ebony feels this way. I really, I, I think Ebony did not allow herself to think about any possible future between her and Bray uh, for quite some time now. So I think her interest in him was never really gone. But with Danny out of the picture, she just sees it as an opportunity to try and try again. Because no more competition. Whereas for Lex, it's... Yeah, I get why this is his response to, you know, why Ebony did this. But also him wondering, like, okay, so you got out of here. Fine. Must have gone gone and done something different. Yeah, I, I can see why Lex feels like they can just go on and they'll manage. You know, because he has something there to fight for. And Ebony, right now, she doesn't really care about anyone but Bray. Even though it annoys me very much that she doesn't care about Alice all of a sudden. It's just, yeah, 
To me, it seemed fitting that Ebony didn't care about the rest, just about, okay, I need to be where Bray is. It's just not consistent for me. Like, when they had Ebony fall into her funk after what uh, Spike did to her, and then we all joked about how she popped up because she heard that Bray had gotten hurt. You know, we made our jokes, Mm -hmm. but that didn't come out of nowhere. You know, it wasn't that shocking Mm -hmm. that she responded that way to Bray being hurt because they had been laying the seeds that Mm -hmm. her feelings for Bray were creeping up on her. And so it didn't just come out of the blue. It was consistent with the way she'd been behaving. And she just had this massive trauma digging up her past in the first place. She'd had the, you know, they'd been laying the groundwork for bringing us back to where Ebony had felt for Bray all the way from back in the cave with her and Trudy talking about how this all started. And, and then, you know, having such a traumatic event and what did she specifically think about during that traumatic event? Her experiences with Zoot and it just took her back. So it was like her realizing I still care about Bray just made sense to me, especially in such a vulnerable state she was in. They earned that, even if it was slightly silly. This has not been earned, this moment. Just all of a sudden, all she cares about is Bray. I'm not saying that Ebony caring about Bray doesn't make sense, because it is consistent for her as a person to care about Bray. I'm saying they didn't build up to this at all. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a difference of two episodes where she literally didn't care if Bray died it doesn't matter that he had a girlfriend. She didn't care what happened to him. She didn't have any thoughts in her head or it, it wasn't expressed to us that she would be willing to save him if Danny was out of the picture. Anything. She did not care. She had the opportunity. She could have done something to help. And she was like, I'm out of here. I'm saving myself. And then one episode later, Bray, oh my gosh, Bray, you know, and (laughs) it also doesn't help that they don't confirm if she knows that Danny is out of the picture because they never confirm what happened to Danny for anyone. And I just don't, it's like, nah, this is sloppy writing. You know, you can't just pull this out and say, well, there's precedent. The character has felt this way before. And it's like, yeah, but you still have to explore how they got back to that emotional state you know and Mm. i'm i'm just sorry i just don't think it's very good writing or very good character development honestly this is a season where it feels less this is where it really you see the massive transition between the characters moving the plot and the plot moving the characters Mm -hmm. and um that happens like that just becomes a consistent theme of season three and moving on throughout the show the characters are being moved by the plot rather than the other way around. Hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with, with all of that. Um, as much as Ebony's sudden over-affection for Bray is annoying, I, I did. I think Lex's line irritated me more, personally. <laughs> like, <laughs> to suddenly think that Bray would have just given up, <laughs> just yeah. turned around, and left Danny, left the whole mm-hmm. tribe... Why? What? What even? What thought would he would make him think that? Like it doesn't make any sense. Why oh, do you think Bray would do that? Yeah, because that that would only make sense if Bray thought Danny was actually dead. I mean, we've seen Bray after Amber died, and apparently he claims he he loved no one more than Danny at some point. So you know, if he had known for but sure then, that Danny was dead, then it would have made more sense for him for Lex to think, okay, yeah, Bray probably went off. He tried to go off on Eagle Mountain at first as well. 
but, even then, on Eagle Mountain, he, he okay, he left his tribe, but they were alive and on yeah. the search for a cure. But here, <laughs> he leave his whole tribe <laughs> captured to die? Like, no, come on, Lex. Not even you'd, in your lowest point, would think this of Bray. <laughs> I wonder if, if, if Lex just wonders if that's something he would do if Titan hadn't been <laughs> with the others. Uh, See, I mean, this was the time to like explore why Lex saved Bray in the first place. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, because we, we joked about like why did he save him of all people? Yep. And it's like, if this is what you think of Bray, then why did you save him? Like, why did you <laughs> think it was the best bet for everybody to save Bray if you really believe? that an injured concussed Bray would just give up the fight and crawl off and you guys would completely <laughs> lose him in the forest, but you can't lose the Chosen, but you lost Bray and like, then why did you save him? This is the time to explore why he did. Yeah. He should be the one going now. Bray wouldn't do that. We gotta find mm -hmm. him or something. It would have just made so much more sense if he rescued Alice. I'm still, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, even just like a silly lie where it's like, oh, he was the closest, or you know what I mean, like, mm -hmm. like how, how like how Lex is flipping, like just like a little line of like that would have been okay, but nothing. Yeah, there was nothing. Even like him being irritated if he thinks Bray quit, show that he's irritated. Like I see that guy, and this is what he. Yeah. You know, just anything to acknowledge it, like. Yeah. But no. Anything like like I thought he would fight with me to get our women free. Right. No. Anything. But nah, just uh, I guess he just gave up. It was just you and me, Ebony. It's like, are you? Are you? What the heck is? <laughs> would you guys make up your mind how these characters are supposed to feel about anything? And I've ne I'm sorry, I've just never liked making Ebony conveniently back in love with Bray whenever the plot requires her to do so, and not earning it, not like building up to it. And I see in my opinion, she's, al she's always been in love with Bray. But when she can't get him, she acts like a woman scorned and pretends not to care about him at all. I know, but as a writer, you need to keep that in mind for the, 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 you know, the character. Like if this person, okay, for example, they do a great job with that with Trudy. You never forget that Trudy yeah. still has feelings for Bray. Mm -hmm. Even when she's betraying everyone to a cult, you never forget how much Bray means to her because mm -hmm. they remember that is a part of her characterization and it pops up over and over again in little moments. It can be something as simple as the way she might look at him, you know, and mm -hmm. so it's like if you I, I understand that someone like Ebony isn't going to be showing her feelings all the time. But they don't do that with her. They don't remind you that she still has feelings for this person, you know, or that they may be the exception to a rule, you know, when it comes to her. Like, and then just when it's convenient for the plot, boom, Ebony's in love with Bray again. And there's only one reason they've made her in love with him again. And it has nothing to do with her past. It's all because of what's coming down the pipe. Mm -hmm. And they wanted that conflict. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason Ebony is suddenly in love with Bray again, so that they can, you know, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. the only reason why this is here. And that makes it even worse. <laughs> Do you think they'll give us any of this food? No, that's why they're making us carry it. It's called torture. I'm starving. Yeah, and whose fault's that? It wasn't for Ty Santa or Big Mouth. Oh, lay off her, May. Yeah. Well, maybe she can survive on air, but me? I need food now. Shut up, May. 
Would you stop it, both of you? Bickering's gonna get us nowhere. Well, what are you gonna do about it, Tysan? Wave your magic wand and make it all okay? We're slaves! Would rather be a slave indeed. <laughs> Forced to work the farm and harvest food as slaves, the Morats snap at each other concerning the current food situation. And panel, yeah, we see May ganged up on several times and shouted down. So like, ultimately, shouldn't, should Tysan's beliefs trump everyone else's feelings? Screw Tysan and her beliefs. Food's more important. It's just, well, it annoys me that they keep telling May off for having an opinion out loud when it's probably what several of the others are thinking. Because I can't imagine someone like KC being happy with Tysan making sure they don't have food. I do understand why May keeps getting shouted down. One, because May is being so antagonistic about it. But I'm not I'm not saying she's wrong for being antagonistic. I just I get it. It's kind of a family dynamic thing. Tysan's been around the longest and it's it's almost like um when your family dynamic changes, you may take the side of the family member who has been there the longest compared to the new face, like the in-law, you know. Like, we're the only ones allowed to get on her case about stuff because, you know, we've been together longer. We've been through more. And you're the new kid on the block. You haven't earned your stripes. So you don't get to talk to us that way or talk to any of us that way. Um, so I do think that has a lot to do with why they keep shouting May down. And But I agree. It's like, why should Tysan's feelings trump everybody else's? And it, it does seem interesting that Tysan hasn't, like considered like again she didn't intend for everyone else to go hungry when she made her stand but it's like she doesn't even have a moment of doubt now that she realizes they're suffering because of her stand it does make her come across as very selfish mm -hmm. and why don't they talk it out you know like i get I, but i mean that's what happened from season two so at least it makes sense that they can't even do something as simple as like let's have a meeting let's discuss this you know, they're not meant to be able to function at all. But if I were Tyson, if it were me, I would not let my personal belief like this um, do damage to my loved ones around me. Uh, there are times when your principles are less important. And if my principles actually going to get my family harmed, that's when I'm, I'm going to have to pull back. You know, like I don't have to eat the food. If I, if I can have my small protest, but there's a time when your protest you have to stop because the people you're supposed to care about are suffering because of it. You know, that's what I'd say to Tyson. Like, yeah, exactly. And I just respond to them with a, Oh, but it's good for the soul to fast. Like Tyson, you, you must see that this is not helping anybody's spirit, you know, cause they have gone a while without food. These kids haven't eaten, keep in mind since the morning of the finale. Mm -hmm. And then that day they, were captured they spent overnight in the hotel likely weren't fed there and then they were rescued they went straight to the beach to fight the chosen which is quite a walk captured right and then they spent overnight still not eating again all out by the water fountain these guys are genuinely hungry they're probably going on the third day without a meal they are not thinking straight they may even be very dehydrated because i don't see anyone being mm -hmm. offered water <laughs> you, this isn't this isn't a normal fast there was no preparation for this they are not mm -hmm. in the right headspace for it like come on tyson i've seen you um choose the greater good before okay this is not the hill to die on <sighs> 
Yeah, this is not for the good of the tribe. You had no problem breaking your principles when you were betraying Alice. Come on. Mm-hmm. And hey, I, I'm not even saying you're like a bad person because you fell for Lex. I'm just saying like, if you're going to be this way, then you got to be this way all the time. Not just when it works out for you, girl. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it bothers me so, so much. And honestly, I'm surprised. I mean, I know Ryan has more on his mind than this, but I mean, Ryan is usually one of the first people to complain about not having food. Like you just said, he's got way more on his mind. Yeah, his, and, his mind's yeah. on the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, there's more people who normally would not agree with this. Okay, Jack doesn't get a chance to have an opinion loudly about it because Ellie will eat him. But, you know, it's I just find it, find it annoying, I guess. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make sure also that they didn't show the kids turning against each other so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, because they all have a lot to think about now that they found this situ- themselves in this situation. And so I, I can tell, you know, I re- you know, from the writing, they try to parse it out. They try to gradually just show the breaking down of the group by just showing the small stressors. And, um, but yeah, I'm sure there are others who may agree with may they may not agree with the way may is expressing her feelings you know and but they didn't want to just like immediately have the complete the group break down over food you know even though they have very good reason to be hungry at this point um give it another give it another day and they'll burn tyson at the stake like a witch (laughs) Mm. sorry my brain instantly went back to season one and cannibalism thoughts oh yeah and just to finish that off yeah did you like the forced like work rotor and slavery angle that was presented yeah i actually thought that was good you know because just just last episode we said okay but why are they just gonna you know make them do something i think it was carlin who pointed out that they they should have made them work and now they are yeah i really like establishing what um they're putting these kids to putting what they're doing with people who aren't um following falling in line things like that i mean jaffa had already said like what he expected from people who did join him you know mm-hmm. but where those place those tribes if they agreed to go with jaffa they yeah they might have to volunteer their tribe members for some work and things but it still feels like it's a choice Whereas the Marats, this is completely taken from them, and slave labor just makes a lot of sense for how you get things done, and yeah. it's a it makes sense as a punishment to those who aren't falling in line. And um, I wish they had kept it up because they actually put the effort into showing how dangerous a situation these kids are actually in, mm-hmm. and uh, they yeah. don't keep it up. After a while, it starts to feel like it's just. I don't know, being a person of the chosen is not really that bad later on. But <laughs> in the beginning, yeah. they actually kind of go hard by establishing they don't they're not able to go to their own rooms. They don't have access to any of their personal things and they're made to work all day and they don't know when they're going to be given food. And like, I did love that established. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, so this is yeah, this would put a lot of strain on you because it's like if this is what it's going to be like, you have no sense it's going to get better and you can understand more kids being like, all right, fine, whatever, mm-hmm. screw my principles. I'm just joining these guys because this sucks, you know? 
that just it just makes so much sense, you know? If you've come to gloat, you can forget it. We're just fine. Oh. Oh, I can see that. What do you want? We're not giving in. We'll beat you. And your loony friend in the white dress. Yeah. How things change. Do you remember, Jack? When I was just a scared pregnant girl, begging to be allowed to stay here? We took you in, Trudy. I was never welcome here. Do you have any idea how that felt? So all this is about revenge? Because you had a hard time. Oh, Dal. How wrong you are. This is about love. And, yeah, I want to talk about the Trudy's motivations here, like... Do you think she's trying to get them to comply or is there genuine feelings and concern for the Morats here? I kind of think it's a combination of all of it. I mean, from her position, it must be great to just, you know, finally be able to lord it over them for a moment because, well, they had that coming <laughs> with, with everything, with the way they treated her. And then there's that other part of her just, you know, she always wanted them to like her at first. And she has a chance to play good cop for once. You know, so she can show herself as the the good one, the merciful one. They should be, you know, glad she's helping them, feeding them. So I think that's a part of it. But also just, you know, her really want, wanting them to join her. Just because she knows what, she, what Jaffa's capable of. She probably knows what will happen to them if they don't comply. Yeah, I actually have to agree with that. There's a lot going on here. This is one of my favorite things I do like about season three. Season two never really allows us to know what Trudy's thinking because we're never supposed to really understand why she's doing what she's doing. You know, we're meant to feel like the kids. She simply betrayed us. She joined the chosen. And that was smart. That was a smart mm -hmm. writing choice for season two. Um, even though the subtext is there as to why Trudy's doing what she's doing she's she's never really allowed to show that she feels any sort of conflict over what she's doing um, or any guilt or any concern for the people who are going to be taken over. But season three finally get, like lifts the curtain into what is going on with Trudy emotionally. It's the first time we really get to see what being the Supreme Mother is like. Um, and that it's not this glamorous joy ride. <laughs> it's, it really is hell for her. And I, I agree with you. I think a lot of this is, you know, yeah, wanting them to see, like, now you know how I felt, how you've always treated me. But the difference is I'm here to help you. I'm going to be more merciful to you than you ever were to me. I want to accept you into the chosen. I will help you find your footing here. I'm going to make you feel the acceptance you never made me feel. Mm -hmm. That savior complex. Because, yeah, you, for once, she gets to be the good cop here. She gets to be the light, you know, the person they need. And I do think there's a hint of um, vulnerability and empathy in this moment. Because her expression changes entirely when she tells, she orders them to be fed. Like when she's walking around them and she's smiling, she's gloating, obviously, mm -hmm. big time. And she's performing and she's got that sickly smile on her face. No, you kind of want to kick her in the teeth if you're one of the mall rats, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, really? I love what Dal said. What? This is all because you had a hard time. You know what I mean? Like, um, but uh, the minute she decides to let them eat, 
there's a different, there's a change in her expression. And it, I, I think it's, it's not an accident because nothing Antonia does is by accident when mm -hmm. she's acting. I really do feel like for a moment she was taken, she's taken back to being in the same vulnerable place with them, begging for the guardian's favor, likely being tormented and tortured in the same way, mm -hmm. starved, her daughter kept from her until she gave into whatever he wanted. I do think for her, this was a genuine act of mercy. Feed them, you know, give them food, however, however much they need. Not a tiny bit. She's not spleeny about it. Yeah. Just feed them. You know, that did feel genuine. And uh, you'll see more moments like that that let you see what Trudy felt when she was going through this and actually wanting to save someone from going through the same thing. Don't fight it. You know, don't fight this. It's inevitable. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Because I think there's something really important to understand about Trudy in her thoughts on The Chosen. It doesn't really occur to Trudy that any of her friends will succeed in resisting them and survive or yeah. get a happy ending. She will say something she says to May later that is so, wow, it, Antonia was fantastic in the scene. But May, she happens to ask Trudy what it was like for her, like something along those lines. Were you scared or did you have any doubts or something like that? And Trudy literally just stares off into the middle distance like she's not in the room with may anymore and she was saying mm -hmm. something like no there was no fear it was inevitable you know what i mean like i, I think yeah. that says so much about how trudy feels about the chosen like when she says don't fight it she's being sincere about that you know like it's like a warning yeah like don't it's inevitable you know, just, and you'll feel so much more peace when you just give in, when you stop fighting it, the, the torment will stop. The pain will stop. They, you know what I mean? Jaffa will stop mm -hmm. torturing you if you just give in and let go, you know, because it is inevitable. That was what her conversion was like. And, uh, yeah, she can't even imagine a way out of this. So she can't imagine it for anybody else. It's she looks at it like what are why are you wasting your time? It's completely futile. Yeah, and to, and she knows what he can do. She knows how much he can hurt them and what he will be willing to do because to him these Mallrats aren't important. Sure, it's good for his ego to win him over, but that's about it. They're disposable. We like to live in harmony with our natural world. It's our creed. So who's your leader? Her name is Eagle. Eagle. So she has feathers in a beak. She wouldn't tolerate your disrespect. She came to us some months ago. She um, had been abandoned by her own tribe. We saw great strength in her. Her will, her courage, her ability to lead. She became our leader immediately. This leader of theirs? Sounded very much like Amber, bossing her way in and taking over. That's just stupid. Of course it is. I was only joking. So yeah, what did you make of Pride and his introduction and the heavy hints of Amber's return? <laughs> okay, let me start with the positives. I think the cat and mouse is kind of cute. Like, you know, Lex and Ebony joining up, trying to find, figure out who this guy is, you know, coming together. I think that's kind of fun, you know. 
aside from like, are they never getting out of these woods? How big are these friggin' woods? Anyway, um, it, it's cool. It's really cool. I like the introduction of pride, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Okay. That's all. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I tried. I, tried. Um, I like pride and I like the cat and mouse. Otherwise, I, I don't mind the hints. Fine. As a writer, you got to lay the groundwork that something's coming. <laughs> And um, it does seem a strange thing for him to say to a bunch of strangers because it's not relevant at all to their conversation, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, where did that come from? You know, uh, it's just a weird thing for him to say to these two strangers. You know what I mean? Like, why would you mm-hmm. ma- like, even if he's mentioning his leader, why would you mention this fact about her that she was abandoned by her tribe? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Is this what you tell everybody about your leader? Like, just don't, this doesn't feel like natural conversation at all. Um, and then, I know this is going to be a weird nitpick. It makes no sense to me that when Lex hears this woman describe to him that the first person he thought was Amber. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> first of all, the person, like, okay, Pride is describing the qualities we know from season one. Daddy. But the way Lex interprets the qualities that Pride has just described to him is Danny. Mm -hmm. Pride describes Amber in like a positive way, but Lex interprets it in a very negative way. So who is the most likely person he's going to think of off the top of his head from his current experiences? It's not going to be a person who died months ago that he hasn't thought about in ages. Yeah. It's going to be his most current leader who fills those criteria. It doesn't make sense for him to say, uh, it sounds like Amber. Like when was the last time you thought about Amber Lex? Yeah. Why did she come to mind? It should be, you should be like, Oh, she sounds like Danny. That's what he should say. You know, and and then all you have to do is have Ebony have a suspicious look on her face when she's looking at Pride. That's all you need. You know, like mm-hmm. we, you don't need this freaking boot, boot to the nose that we're going to see Amber again. Like that, I never got past that. Like, why would Lex be reminded of Amber? He never. T- the last time he even mentioned Amber's name was like in episode two. When Bray came in with Danny and he says, didn't take you long. That is it. He has never mentioned Amber or referenced her since. So why would she pop into his head right now? Oh, agreed. Yeah, it's yeah. very strange. <laughs> it, it does sound like the way Alex did feel in early season one about Amber. Because, you know, she's bossy and she wants to take control. But, yeah, it's it sounds so much more like Danny. And, yeah. It's just weird, and I wonder how people would have felt about this if we had not had that image of Amber in the end credits at this point. Just, I, I wonder what if, what if, what it would have felt like to any viewers if they had not seen that big spoiler. I don't know, but yeah, I was just like, no, that's not who she'd think of at all. Um, if you're going to interpret what pride said as someone who's bossy and takes over um who's the last person who did that well you've got ebony standing right next to you like that would have been a funny joke <laughs> ebony sounds like you <laughs> she sounds something. like you right you know or <laughs> oh man that sounds just like danny you know because he never grew to like danny unlike yeah. amber who he actually did start to like and respect <laughs> 
he never liked Danny. He always saw her as bossy and just barging yeah. into his mall and taking over. No, you know? that's very true. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you're, you're right. It could have easily Peter marked it at, oh, wait, oh, you have one of those. They're annoying, right? It's like, I just, be, you, mm, I just don't think you need something that obvious to hint that Amber is alive. It doesn't make sense for Pride to say the, what he says about Amber. No. And it doesn't make sense for Lex to be like, huh, reminds me of the dead friend I have and I haven't <laughs> thought about in months. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> nope. Actually, now that you bring it up, what makes it even worse is that musical cue. Yeah. That like a sledgehammer like, that whole doo -doo -doo. It's like, okay, what are you cooking up, writers? I thought they were yeah, doing it, something special. <laughs> it is very heavy handed, but yeah, now that you mentioned it. Come much. on, guys. Um and yeah, do you think Ebony's reaction was a bit over the top as well? Like it just everything here, it it's just it's just setting up what they already want Ebony to show signs that she knows Amber's not dead. So even someone mm -hmm. mentioning her name would make her anxious, you know, and yep. it's all just really dumb when it comes together. <laughs> it's really, really <laughs> dumb. Yeah. It, it just screams Ebony knows more. Because, uh, of course, all of this is, oh, Ebony's in love with Bray again. And, you know, Ebony doesn't want to hear Amber's name coming out of your mouth. Oh, it's because blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, it's dumb. It's so dumb. I think the worst part about it is that they took actual conflicts that were, were organic and born from the actions these characters actually perpetuated all throughout season two. And threw all of them away, swept them all under the rug to give them a brand new conflict that is trivial and stupid and insults the intelligence of the audience. And it wasn't necessary. Yeah, I can't argue with any of that. Yeah. Escape is impossible. Resistance futile. You leave me no choice. Your friend's fate will be an example to you all. No! You dare to question Zoot's will? Ellie, don't. Don't hurt him. You don't know how valuable he could be to you. You have nothing of value to us. You're wrong. Jack's brilliant. He's the smartest one here. He made a water system. He knows how things work. He even found out about the virus. Everything we have, we owe it to him. So, panel, what did you make of the escape plan, the really bad beating that Jack was shown to have had, and blaming Ellie. I blame Ellie. Honestly, if she knew Jack wasn't comfortable doing that as he pushed him and she pushed and pushed and pushed, and she made him feel like he had to, even though he originally, you know, thought it would be dangerous. And she got him to do that anyways. And then, yeah, of course he got captured because... You know, these aren't some idiots. Well, they are, but, you know, of course they were going to find him and notice one of the mall rats was suddenly somewhere else. So, <clears throat> sorry, this this is this pushiness and, you know, pushing people and then getting others into trouble for it. It's one of the reasons that Ellie annoys me so much in this season. I do like it um, because it does establish that escape won't be something they can do because you need to establish that. It wouldn't make mm -hmm. sense if none of the mall rats tried to escape. Like, 
we'd be wondering, well, none of them even tried to get out of there, you know? So it's like, I like that. They established very quickly that escape is out of the works. They will be caught. This whole place is guarded down. There's no way they can get out. Even someone, even using Jack, was very smart. Jack has been in the mall the longest. Ellie's arguments make sense. You know this place better than anyone. If there's a way out of here, you would find it. So having Jack fail to escape the mall really hammers home. There is no way out of this building because he's the one person who would have been able to figure it out. He knew this place by mm -hmm. heart. Okay. So I thought that was a really nice use of Jack and a nice tribute to the fact that this was his mall. These kids stumbled upon it. He'd been living in there for quite some time and had figured out all its ins and outs. And it makes it clear that this is why there won't be any other escape attempts. Our mall rats are trapped in this situation and they either, you know, fight and be punished or they submit and, you know, are safe. But that's pretty much it's really narrowing down the choices the mall rats have. So I thought that was really well handled. Mm -hmm. It made sense to me that Ellie would push him here because it's she has to learn this harsh lesson. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, this isn't this isn't a game, you know, um, it's, there's a there's a severe punishment to these actions and it's somebody that she genuinely cares about and doesn't want to have any, anything bad happen to them and she has to watch it happen knowing that she was the one who pushed him there and uh but i don't know how much ellie learns and i know alice learns nothing from this and, that, and this mm -hmm. is what really pisses me off about alice especially in season three because Alice will push people, other people, into dangerous situations, mm -hmm. never show an ounce of remorse when they pay the, the price for it, and just keep doing it with one person after another, sending one, even, she'll even push her sister into a dangerous situation. It's like, Alice does <laughs> nothing during this rebellion except put other people in danger. Never once puts herself really in danger during this mm. rebellion. But her sister, the children, Brilliant. just one person after another, but never herself. And uh, <laughs> so it's like, as much as Ellie drives you crazy, I think Alice is worse. Um, like, they didn't know what to do with her. And so Ellie being the first to do this. Yeah, they didn't. And then her and Alice, you know, Alice mostly, end up doing this over and over and over again with other vulnerable people in the tribe. Um, I can tell you, I was genuinely concerned for Jack. Like he, re this is what yeah. some of the best makeup they've done for someone looking like they've had a beating. It, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was right on par with uh, Lex being jumped at the tribal gathering. <laughs> like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> they really messed him up. And just the thought of like that physical punishment. You know, Jack was just trying to be brave and help his tribe get them out of this awful situation, and. Man, they jacked him up. Poor thing. Poor thing. And Ellie's devastation at seeing what her actions led to. Like her, you know, that was it. good job, Jennifer Jewell. Like it was very convincing. Um, like, yeah, it was just a really great way to establish it. And May May's negativity isn't great, but you're always gonna have that person in these situations. Lex was this person in season one. Like, they don't really offer that many solutions they just <laughs> bitch and moan <laughs> but yeah, I, she's like the female ex but i do get where she's coming from 
I think she has a stronger point of view than say Lex did in season one, because she does have some solutions. May has survived do like for ages having to you know, deal with situations like this. And she's just like, you guys, why can't we just play along? You know what I mean? Like, and let's not forget, May has experience with the Chosen. She was with them before, you know? She's been through this already. Yeah, you know? So um, <laughs> even though I don't care for her negativity, it drives me crazy. I also can't deny that her idea is probably the wisest one. Because the rest yeah. of the Marats mm -hmm. aren't coming up with a cohesive plan of how they're going to do this or stick together. They just say we're going to stick together. But how? How are you going to come deal with these conflicts and these hardships as they come up and challenge you? You know? And uh, yeah, I my only complaint about May is that if that's what you believe you should do, May, then just freaking do it. I don't know why you keep screaming at the group to do it with you. Like, I don't know why you need their support to just go to the Chosen and say, look, I'm willing to join, whatever. I don't know why she needs it to be a team effort. Just like, she's like, she needs their permission, their blessing. I don't want to do it by myself, guys. So let's do it together. And it's like, May, you barely care about these people and you'll prove that you don't care about these people. So just go join the Chosen and shut up. <laughs> Let them be rebellious I, and you can just join and play along. You've done it before. So what's stopping you now? I I think it might just be because the Mallrats were finally that one place where she felt she could be a part of something bigger, where she could have it all, you know? True. That desperation to have something, have a family. Yeah. Like, I don't want to bail on you guys, so let's do it together, okay? Yeah, and she knows, she, she knows how this is going to go down. You're not going to win. So let's get this over with, okay? The sooner we give in, the sooner we get fed. Oh, I do notice something about May. She does terrible things, but she really hates when people think terrible things about her. Mm -hmm. So I guarantee part of the reason she can't just join the Chosen is because she doesn't want the Marats to think bad things about her. Mm -hmm. She can get someone else on the team and she won't feel like I'm the only one who gave in and mm -hmm. quit on you guys. <laughs> <sighs> All right, panel, we're not done with our favorite couple just yet. We had to talk. We can get through this all, but only if we're honest with each other. Isn't it obvious why I didn't tell you about the baby before? No. I knew I was pregnant before he got married. So? So if I told you, you'd have had to marry me because of the baby. And yeah, we get a very tender moment with Celine stroking Bray's skateboard and feather. <laughs> so honestly... So honestly, the moment Bray of a the moment Ryan saw her there, you know, and he finally asked her things and finally got an answer, and she was stroking Bray's skateboard. <laughs> I am just surprised it did not cross his mind to ask that girl, "Are you sure it's mine and not his?" Well, I think, like I said, I always believe that the reason he doesn't even make that assumption <laughs> is because he never believed Bray was a threat. Like he was making a play on anyway it was easier to believe that when Fair he was enough. angry but he never really did believe that bray was making a move on celine you know um so he wouldn't believe that they had sex you know because he knew that he knew bray wouldn't have done that to him he wouldn't have done it to danny you know so i woman th this really even now 
you can't you can't give this man the truth like what do you have to lose now just tell him all you had to do is i thought we're supposed to believe that they had this moment when she thought he was dead and she's sobbing and i'm sorry i've done terrible things okay she's supposed to have this moment of revelation but like every freaking narcissist oh no that was that didn't mean anything it meant nothing she wasn't sorry for anything she was just sorry she almost lost her meal ticket that's all it was because here he is just being like look you know did you marry me for the baby and again this is ryan if she had just been like yes i was scared i was scared ryan you know and i didn't know if you would accept me and the baby if you and i weren't a couple you know and they could have started fresh Okay, but she just destroyed any hope of her and Ryan getting through this ordeal together because you know mm -hmm. he doesn't believe her when she once again lies to his face. And yeah. you can tell Ryan is just like, I know that's not the truth. You know what I mean? Like, I know you're not telling me something and he can never trust mm -hmm. her going forward. And it just causes this friction between them. It just never gets any better because Ryan has no mm -hmm. freaking faith in her anymore. And it's like, I don't know how rightfully so. I don't know how much harder he could have proven it doesn't matter. I would have still been there for you. I just want you to be friggin' honest with me. You know? They could have gotten through this if she had just been honest. If she had just told him the truth, they could have worked through this. They could have started from a fresh place. You know? But nope. She threw that down the drain. And I'm yep. just I the skateboard. Oh my gosh. Like you have the nerve <laughs> to be in Bray's room stroking his possession. <laughs> the audacity. I just, ooh, girl. I girl. can't believe that when I, when I saw that, I was what? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that, that being Bray's room and all, he of the blood of Zoot and nobody was guarding it. They just let her run, run into it. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I was just like, any hope that anybody who was still hanging on had their fingers crossed that Ryan and Celine could get there, could get there. For me, this was their last chance. This was their last hope for this relationship. And she just took a steaming dump on it. You, you, you fans, you shippers, she just punched you all in the face. Okay? That's what she just did to you. It's like, girl... You know what? Karma's coming for you. It's coming so hard, girl. You saw what karma did to Lex. You know what I mean? <laughs> karma don't play. Nope. Karma petty. <laughs> I, I mean, Lex ended up losing his wife and his child. Have you learned nothing? Oh, no, no. Narcissists rarely ever do. I couldn't. I couldn't with her. I could not believe. <laughs> I don't know how people still root for that. <laughs> Even the way Ryan asked her, you can tell it's, it's his way of opening up this conversation because he's made peace with this is likely what happened, but he's willing to deal with that, you know? And mm -hmm. because we know that when Ryan isn't ready to deal with something, he won't talk about it. He'll avoid it. But just the fact that he comes out and asks her, please just tell me, did you marry me because you were pregnant? Did, you know what I mean? Like he did the math and he's, he's opening up the dialogue. Please just talk to me. You know, because we need each other to get through this. I need you to get through this. And I need to be able to trust you. And she's just like, no, I can't even believe you'd ask me that. I can't even believe you'd ask me that. Like, <laughs> and, th and then just, uh, I didn't want you to marry me because I was pregnant. That's why I didn't tell you. And it's like, you selfish whore. I just, I, 
And that's not a sexist statement. I call everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in her case, probably yeah. fitting. Oh, I just, I, that's it. Like, it can't get worse enough for you. And the writers, I will give them credit. They punish her. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh. Um, yeah, she basically goes through the same thing Lex did, man. And without the happy ending. <laughs> and they never stop punishing this girl. It's just a shame that she drags Ryan down. <laughs> oh, boy. By proxy doing it, but yeah. <laughs> Poor Ryan. Some people just can't be saved. Oh, yeah. Nope, and she's one of them. Fans forget all that. They just remember her riding off on a white horse trying to save Ryan. Because that's how deeply she loves him. <laughs> trying to rewrite history is more light. <laughs> no. It is you who should join us, Bray. We could make a fresh start. Together. All of us. I mean, everyone. That's why I'm here. To ask for your help, your support, join us. Not if you were the last tribe on Earth. Believe me, Bray, that day will come. So yeah, panel, like, some really interesting discussions going on in here between Bray and Trudy as they attempt to win each other over. Like, what did you make of it all? Probably the strongest part of the episode. Yep. These two did a really good job together. Um... This is some of Dwayne's best acting that I've seen, like from coming, especially coming from such an emotional turmoil. Like, yeah, like he really he he showed up for work today. And I mean, obviously, Antonia is always great. There's just so many emotions going on. And I love how much it speaks to what these two have gone through. It just reminds us of what Trudy and Bray have gone through, how long they've known each other, the care they do have for each other. You know, like even in this moment, as angry as Bray is. He does not see her as a lost cause. He's like, Trudy, come on. I know you. This isn't you. Come back from wherever you've gone. We can fix this, you know? Uh, he falls short of apologizing, but he's pleading with her. And you can see her mm -hmm. fighting with that, like wanting to believe in him. But he's already let her down. She can't fall for the trap again. That's why she sees it. It's a trap, and I'll fail, and I'll be punished, and I can't, I can't, you know... And that's what happens when someone lets you down that many times, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I like the fact that she is shocked that he's mad because it says how much she disassociated from everything mm -hmm. that was going on and never allowed herself to truly think about, well, <laughs> yes, Trudy, he'd be very upset about this. And he's concerned about Danny. And she's like, oh, right. I didn't. <laughs> Oh, right, Danny. <laughs> we don't talk about Danny. Um, I do like her sincerity when she's like, I don't know what happened to her, but I, I, it doesn't look good. I do know people have been killed. You know, like just like a spark of remorse and her hand in this and bringing him this kind of pain. Um, oh, it's just a lot of good stuff going on here. I even I love what she's saying to the Guardian to be the one to win over Bray. And I do wonder if some of that is ego you know needing to be the one to bring bray back from the brink or if it's just a sense of knowing that the guardian's way would never work and she wants bray to survive you know and uh might she, be both yeah like you're not going to press the right buttons you have no idea how to deal with bray but i do and 
I'm invested in him surviving, whereas the Guardian is not invested in Bray's survival. <laughs> so I can, I even like that. That's like, I don't want to leave him in your hands because then I might lose him, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really brilliant scene. I love how she has to talk herself down, shake her head, pull her hands out of his, no, no, you know, and, uh, and then goes cold and starts using the Guardian's manipulation tactics. Fantastic scene. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so, you know, it's, it's so fitting for Trudy to go through the 20,000 emotions he's going through with, you know, for, first making sure she's the one that gets to talk with Bray. And as she said, she's, she's the one who wants him to survive. The Guardian would rather kill him, but she makes a fair point. It's good for his ego if he wins him over, or at least if she wins him over. But yeah, the, you know, the things he says to Bray, I can, I can get why she cannot trust him, why she cannot accept that he could get her out of this, because she is at risk of losing her child again. Last time she trusted Bray, she lost her kid, for crying out loud. She lost herself. She lost her kid, she lost herself, she lost everything. So yeah, obviously, she, she just, as much as she wants to trust him, and wants to join his side, she just can't. It's just not an option. Yeah, that's very true. It's moments like this that have always made me ship Bray and Trudy because the history and the depth of feeling that they have for each other, regardless of the mistakes either of them have made, there's always a desperation to come back together in some way. You know, um, they don't let minor misunderstandings or even huge you know, betrayals of trust, make them, make them lose sight of how much they actually genuinely care about each other. You know, they forgive each other when they messed up really bad, you know, even if they have to go through the emotions and just, even in this moment, Bray has every right to be so pissed at her. She has every right to be so pissed at him. Like they, they could be slingy accusations at each other and the, the Bray's focused on, yeah, and they don't. They don't. She's just trying to save his life. And he's like, Trudy, come back. Come, don't, this isn't you. Come back. We can fix this. We can be okay, you know? And it doesn't even feel like his normal bleeding heart. Well, I'm trying to save my girlfriend, Trudy, <laughs> or anything like that. It really didn't feel like that, you know? It, it felt like, Trudy, where have you gone, you know? Yeah. Step into the light. Go back from the dark side. It's one of the few times when Bray's pleading for yeah. something where I actually felt something, you know? Mm-hmm. I can't lose you too. Maybe all the good writing went to the scene and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the rest of the writing was done like a school essay you've had weeks to work on and you have to spit it out in 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. profess their love for each other with Jack begging her not to forget him as he's taken away from the show um yeah panel what like what'd you make of Jack's departure another good piece of writing a great departure for mm -hmm. a character that can't be around like I'm glad they gave that to Jack I love the way Ellie fought for him yeah. like he he's, he'd be useful please you know the way she's 
begging. Like it, it that again, really well yeah. done. Um, I love the fact that Jaffa comes around to that sort of thinking. You know, I like the conversation he has with Jack. You don't want to die, do you? You know, <laughs> um, I, I thought that was great. Um, Jack is just his despondency because he's been looking down the barrel of a gun since they completely beat the crap out of him. Poor kid. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jack. You didn't deserve this, sweetie. <laughs> you really didn't. <laughs> Uh, I would have been happy with just the butt kicking. Like, I'm like, okay, that makes up for his jerkish behavior. <laughs> That's all he needed. That's all. <laughs> but don't, don't threaten this kid with death. He doesn't deserve this at all. And the, I thought the scene of him being driven out of the city and Ellie chasing, kind of, kind of chasing the truck and them shouting to each other, these young little lovers, these sweet babies. <laughs> Oh, it's so beautifully done. Two fantastic performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, even I have to admit this was a good moment for Jelly. Was <laughs> it's, it's you know, and and I'm so glad because a lot of people don't get that kind of closure of being taken away like that. I know. It's just at least Jack wasn't just shipped off somewhere, and we only hear about him being alive later or just we get a line of dialogue that oh did you hear jack got caught trying to escape and they took him away you know like Mm -hmm. we get to see the consequence if you try to like i again we get to see you can't escape them all if you do the consequences are dire and we realize that jack was only spared because he's intelligent like he's useful so anybody else who tries to do this will not be as lucky as jack you know, um, I thought that was great to establish that as well. You know, and yeah. I love you. Oh, you used word of babies. This shot is great too. I thought it was just, I was glad that they took the time to actually film this out on the street, you know, with the chains and him in the back of the truck all tied up. And they got a great shot of that truck just peeling out of yeah. sight with Jack just begging begging you know i'll come back don't forget me because we've seen oh (laughs) trudy i'm sorry (laughs) on the boat (laughs) i'll come back don't forget me i love you ray (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's really a great mirror image because we don't know what jack if he comes back will be like because we've already been down this road with Trudy. Trudy came back and she delivered them all to the chosen. And now it's happening again. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen to Jack. We just know, Oh boy, this, this isn't good. This isn't good. And the desperation in their voices and in the acting and the way Ellie falls to her knees in tears, just knowing I caused this, I was Mm -hmm. the one who told him to do it. And now he's gone and I don't know what's going to happen to him. And, uh, Brava, brava. Mm-hmm. I'm going to miss Jack. <laughs> yeah. I know he can be annoying and frustrated and he's a very horrible friend, oh. but <laughs> I, I, I'm going to miss him. Poor man, team, man. <laughs> I, I always loved having Jack around, even though he can be so annoying. It's just, he's Jack. And it's scary. This is, you know, the second member of their tribe who has been taken from them. So it's just, again, the Chosen aren't playing around. Nope. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, every, every loss weakens their resolve all the more. 
So I, I just think they did a really great job in this first chunk of establishing what being imprisoned by the chosen would be like and how that would break you down and what it would do to your your support system, losing your support system, you know, um, and it, 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 it does a good job of setting up why the mall rats will remain in captivity. And I'm not saying they don't, they continue doing a great job with that, but they set it up really well. And it's a nice, uh, it's a nice change up too, you know, nice shuffling of the cards, the way these kids have been living, you know, like at the end of season one, they lost two members of their tribe. That is true, but they basically went right back to living in the mall, you know, um, their circumstances yeah. in the city changed a bit, but they were back home and they were still together. I like the idea that there's they're back home again, but it's the circumstances have once again changed. It's not really their home anymore, you know. Yeah, you're right. Cool evolution of the mall rats, their journey <laughs> through the apocalypse. Um, so someone just remind me, like, uh, did he leave the show now because of Atlantis High? Or was that season four? Um, I thought it was season four that he was doing Atlantis High, but I mean, uh -huh. I'm sure. I thought he left for like school or something, or but I mean, I could be wrong. No, I think you actually might yeah. be right, yeah, because um, yeah. May and Celine were a part, a big part of that as well. So yeah, that was season four. Yeah, you're right. So he was must have been school. because he tends to leave a lot more frequently from season four. And May is gone. Celine is conveniently yep. gone for a while. Yeah, but. But if you look, if if you look at the info you can find about it, that it does say that he was absent for the majority of se series three and four because he was busy filming Atlantis High. Sorry, I had to look it up. Ah, so he started okay during season three. Yeah. But then Celine's quite a big still. Yeah, Celine's still season three for quite a lot of it. Yeah, that's it? what I thought. Yeah. Ah, and it's all her scenes were done later with May and. Ah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah, I guess they couldn't instantly get everyone out same time yet. That brings Series 3, Episode 2 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And if I take part in a future episode of the podcast, please do send us a message on our Facebook page or on the website to tribe.co.uk. So we'll see you next time for Episode 3. Until then, bye. Bye. Bye.